presents First Years, a podcast for all but geared toward adult first-time readers of Harry Potter, who need a space to enjoy each book and have adult conversations about it. My name is Sarah, and I'm honored that you've allowed me on this journey with you. Crack open a butterbeer, grab a seat, and let's discuss. Today, we're talking about Dumbledore's audacity. Welcome, everybody, to episode 66 of First Years. Today, we're going to be talking about chapter 37 of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, which is titled The Lost Prophecy. First, I want to say thank you to everyone who came to any one of my panels at LeakyCon. I had an absolute blast. Special shout out to those of you who came to my Unsung Heroes panel, since I know I was up against Elijah Wood and Sean Astin, and I am very grateful that I was not sitting in a room by myself. (laughs) I know that I had really tough competition, and I'm honored that you decided to spend that hour with me. I also want to shout out uh, Kimley, my amazing co-host for the Chosen Ones Chosen Girl panel. I hope to pull that audio to upload as a podcast episode here. And we also felt like an hour was not nearly enough to finish our convo, so we'll probably continue it here on First Years in the future. It was so great to meet and see all of you. It was, as always, a very magical weekend. So last we left off, Sirius died, Harry tried to use an unforgivable curse on Bellatrix, Dumbledore and Voldemort fought, and Fudge fucking finally realized that Voldemort is back. Harry lands in Dumbledore's office, and it is so quiet and peaceful, and yet there is total chaos happening inside of Harry after this significant loss. His guilt is really sinking in here. Because Hermione was right. Voldemort played into Harry's character, in which he'll step up and help others in order to get him to the ministry. It says, quote, There was a terrible hollow inside him that he did not want to feel or examine. A dark hole where Sirius had been, where Sirius had vanished. He did not want to have to be alone with that great, silent space. He could not stand it. Unquote. I think that's such a wonderful description of grief. When something is so emotional and it lives inside you and it is so strong that you don't even want to touch it or look at it because it could completely suck you in. And how do you get out? Losing someone like Sirius is so tragic and horrible, and it's this huge, big thing that can completely consume someone. And for something like that, it is better to feel the pain and work through it in order to get to the other side of it, but that can be an absolutely terrifying experience because it forces you to accept things that you don't want to accept and acknowledge things that you may not be ready to acknowledge yet. And when Harry's in the office, we cross another terrible bridge. Phineas Nigellus speaks and doesn't know that Sirius is gone, and Harry can't say it. He'd have to verbalize it, and it's something that 
In any situation like this, news has to spread eventually, but that is so difficult, and Harry can't say it yet. Dumbledore comes back to the office, and we have to acknowledge that this is a big deal, because the school really needs him. We've been dealing with Umbridge for so long, and now he's finally returned. But there's truly a reckoning in this chapter when it comes to Dumbledore. We've spoken since the beginning of this book about his behavior and his distance from Harry. He really hasn't been there for him at all when Harry needed him most. And it finally all culminates in this explosion of emotion from Harry. Dumbledore is wise. But the wisdom he shares in his first few sentences with Harry just aren't it. That's not what an emotional 15-year-old who just saw his godfather murdered in front of him wants to hear. I'm really not sure what Dumbledore is trying to do here. He literally says, quote, Harry, suffering like this proves you are still a man. This pain is part of being human, unquote. Was that ever up for debate? Was that something Dumbledore was concerned about? Because it certainly was not something Harry was ever concerned about. Harry completely breaks down and starts yelling and throwing things, and it is completely justifiable after what he has just been through. And not just in the ministry, not just in this book, but his entire life. He literally screams, Quote, I don't care. I've had enough. I've seen enough. I want out. I want it to end. I don't care anymore. Unquote. And I don't blame him. He is 15. And look what he's been through. Just like Lupin says in year three, Harry's been through way more than others could even imagine at their age. None of this is fair. Meanwhile, Dumbledore is completely calm, and I'm not saying that he shouldn't be, you know, he is the adult here, but I can understand why it's so frustrating for Harry, because Dumbledore has been so aloof all book. It's described as, quote, he wanted to be somewhere he could not see the clear blue eyes staring at him, that hatefully calm, old face, unquote. Hatefully calm. Then Dumbledore wants Harry to hear him out, which at first feels like the audacity. But then there's a twist in which he says that Harry isn't nearly as angry with him as he should be, and that if Harry is going to attack him, he wants to deserve it which points to some guilt he has, at least. And it turns out that keeping information from Harry was a terrible idea. What a concept. It's almost like communication is important to keep others safe. Remember how the Death Eaters were, like, shocked that Dumbledore didn't tell Harry about the prophecy? Well, if you have the Death Eaters shocked, it's probably not a good thing. So we finally get an explanation. We learn that Dumbledore always had the theory that the scar signified a connection between Voldemort and Harry. 
that distancing himself from Harry was a way to prevent Voldemort from spying on him. That creature was able to actually leave the house and went to the Malfoys and was able to lie to Harry about Sirius and also give important info to the other side to make Harry vulnerable when it came to Sirius. We also find out that Snape was a lot more helpful than we may have realized. Just like in book one, when he was saving Harry's life on the broom, again, he was giving fake Verita serum to Umbridge so that Harry wouldn't have to tell her anything. He was the one looking out for Harry and notifying order members. So we have a lot to talk about here. One of my first takeaways from this chapter was that this is so unfair for Harry. Harry doesn't deserve to have this thrust upon him. He didn't ask for this. He was not given any information that he could agree to be a part of this or not. He was thrust into this against his will. And this entire thing is just so much to ask of a child. From, I I was going to say from age 11 onward, but even before that, Everything that Dumbledore put Harry through was so much to ask of Harry, and it's wildly unfair of Voldemort to put someone else through as well, even though I'm sure we know Voldemort does not care. But for Dumbledore, someone who clearly cares for others, or at least says he does, this is so much to ask of a child. And even though Dumbledore realizes that his behavior this book was a mistake, it was very for the greater good. And no one ever really thinks about how that affects the people that it affects. Like, this is your student who is extremely vulnerable to Lord Voldemort and just went through so much trauma and you just abandon him. Like, he claims it as an old man's mistake, but that's a pretty significant mistake, bro. Like, what? In regards to Creature, this conversation really reminds me of the convo that Frodo and Gandalf have about Gollum, where it is so easy to think lowly about them because of their behavior. But when you take a moment to step back and... Think about how and why they are the way that they are, then there may be room for some more empathy. Dumbledore says, quote, Creature is what he has been made by wizards. Yes, he is to be pitied. His existence has been as miserable as your friend Dobby's. Unquote. And he does have a point. And I think one of the greatest points that Harry makes to Dumbledore in this is when he says, Quote, yeah, he did hate it. You made him stay shut up in that house and he hated it. That's why he wanted to get out last night. People don't like being locked up. You did it to me all last summer. Unquote. Which is so true. And I'm really glad that Harry said it. Dumbledore can talk all he wants about how to treat others. And yet he, with his elderly mistakes abandoned Harry when he needed him most 
and kept him separated from his support system after going through absolute hell at the end of book four. This point from Harry leaves Dumbledore finally sharing more information that Harry should have had five years ago. Even Dumbledore admits it. Remember in book one, he almost does. Okay, so let's go through this. He says, quote, Five years ago, you arrived at Hogwarts safe and whole, as I had planned and intended. Well, not quite whole. You had suffered. I knew you would when I left you on your aunt and uncle's doorstep. I knew I was condemning you to ten dark and difficult years. Unquote. Then it says, he paused. Harry said nothing. Reading this as an adult now, I was also speechless. He says he had planned and intended for Harry to arrive at Hogwarts safe and whole, and yet knew he wouldn't arrive whole because he knew he was going to suffer for 10 years and still decided to leave him on the doorstep. Like, in what world is that okay? Again, this is for the greater good behavior. You're telling me Dumbledore could not have put Harry anywhere else. There were no charms or anything that would protect Harry. He's safe at Hogwarts. I just don't believe with a wizard as talented as Dumbledore is that an abusive home was the only answer. I just do not buy that. If James and Lily were already in hiding before they were murdered and had a secret keeper, then why couldn't that same thing have been used to have Harry grow up in a loving home? If it's good enough to keep the Order of the Phoenix safe from Voldemort, why would it not be good enough to keep Harry safe? This entire explanation really shows us Dumbledore's flaws, who we may have, up until this point, seen as almost flawless, as a mentor and wise wizard who could do no wrong and always had all of the answers. Yet here we see behind the mask and understand that he isn't perfect and isn't those things. As an adult, for me, this feels like a much bigger fall from grace now than when I read it when I was younger. Dumbledore's emphasis on how this was all a plan feels insulting to Harry when he relishes that he didn't have to tell Harry anything when he was 11. It feels selfish. And I don't want us to forget that Dumbledore isn't necessarily using this as an excuse. He does expect Harry to be angry with him, and that's why he's explaining himself, because everything he's saying is so outrageous. There's a part of me that thinks about Dumbledore's explanation about how he cares so much for Harry and watched him struggle and didn't want to add another burden to his plate as very human. I think that's understandable. How often have we withheld info from someone because they're already going through something and we don't want to add on to that? I think that makes sense, but it also doesn't make it right, necessarily, especially when things are so life or death like it is for Harry. So I'll ask you guys this. 
Do you think Dumbledore was right in keeping this information from Harry? We've spent all book speculating about what this weapon could be that Voldemort is after. And it turns out, it's the prophecy. As Dumbledore says, quote, This is the weapon he has been seeking so assiduously since his return. The knowledge of how to destroy you. Unquote. And so we hear the full prophecy from Dumbledore's memory from when Trelawney spoke it to him. And we find out that Harry isn't the only one the prophecy could have been about. The other could have been Neville Longbottom. Yet because Voldemort chose to go after Harry, Harry is now the one the prophecy is about. And I can't help but wonder why Voldemort chose to go after Harry. Clearly, Frank and Alice Longbottom were very talented wizards. There's no reason to think Neville wouldn't be when he was a baby. So I'm curious as to why he chose Harry. What do you think? I'd be curious to hear your thoughts about this. We also find out what's behind that locked door in the Department of Mysteries. It's a love room. So I wonder how you guys envision this. What does love look like where it's contained in the Department of Mysteries? How do they contain it there? What do they study it for? Why do they study it, do you think? And why do you think it needs to be locked up while things like time don't? Or does no one study it? Does it just stay locked up 24-7? This chapter ends with Dumbledore explaining why Harry wasn't chosen for prefect. And Dumbledore starts to cry. So I have a few more questions for you guys. Are you satisfied with how this chapter ended? For me, as I reread it for this episode, I wanted more of Harry's reaction to all of this. Did you expect Harry to continue to explode at Dumbledore? Or is his acceptance of all of this something that makes sense for him? Like I said earlier, this whole chapter makes me much more angry as an adult than it did when I was younger. And so I wonder if it is in character for Harry to accept it because he is a child and may not think about how fucked up this whole situation is. Or perhaps, because of the prophecy, he thinks there's more important things to handle now that it isn't worth getting and staying mad at Dumbledore for. Also, it's time for a Snape check-in. How are we feeling? (laughs) Has our opinion changed? Or not so much? Do we think he was actually worried about Harry? Or was it just duty to Dumbledore and the order that was driving his actions. And of course, I have to ask, how has your opinion on Dumbledore changed? Were his actions justified? Were they not? We have so much to think about as we head into the final chapter of Order of the Phoenix. Once we finish this book, we will take a break like we usually do before starting Half-Blood Prince. So for next time, finish up Order of the Phoenix with chapter 38. Send me your thoughts about Dumbledore on social at firstyearspod or email firstyearspodcast at gmail.com and go out and get Half-Blood Prince and I will see you guys next time.
First Years is a production of Matchbook. It's produced by Quinn Parker and myself, Sarah Jones-Dittmeyer. All sources can be found in our show notes or on our website at authorsarahjonesdittmeyer.info forward slash first years podcast. That's Sarah with an H and Dittmeyer is spelled D-I-T-T-M-E-I-E-R. Please remember that staying a Harry Potter fan is the biggest form of revolt that you can have, and we are committed to continuing to make this fandom and this community safe and welcoming to everybody.